This is Cyrus Fees, voice of the NWA, Global Force Wrestling, and fight shows around the world. You're listening to The Kings of the Ring. You're listening to The Kings of the Ring Podcast Network. For episode 11, we again feature NWA and MMA play-by-play and ring announcer extraordinaire Cyrus Fees. Previously on Kings of the Ring, Julian Kane declined Arnold Schwarzenegger's incredible offer to put Thor in the new Commando movie, while Charlie Gotch made the decision to turn Buddy Melrose babyface to feud with Baron Von Heimer and a group of foreign villains. The Tarzan Kid reluctantly began a series of matches with Diamond Donnie Gold. Burt Ironside began grumbling about new WWA champion Jesse James not defending the belt outside of SCW. After a booking meeting, it was decided that Willie Dean would be the new ASW Southern Heavyweight Champion over Gabriel Angel, and Thor Hansen received a call from Hollywood, Buddy Melrose, tipping him off that Sylvester Stallone was now interested. Today's episode would be rated M.A. for profanity, drug use, and sexual content. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kings of the Ring. It's 6 o'clock on Saturday night, which means it's time for All-Star Wrestling on the Superstation WBBS. The familiar images of the stars of Southeast Championship Wrestling move across the screen over 80s futuristic graphics as the open dissolves and takes us into the WVBS studios, where the longtime iconic host of All-Star Wrestling, Jay Delvo, stands behind the familiar white podium with the SCW logo over a map of Georgia and Florida behind him, welcoming the TV audience at home just as he's done for years. Welcome to All-Star Wrestling, featuring the stars of SCW. As you can tell, we have another excited crowd here at the WVBS Sports Arena who can't wait to see the matches. Tonight, we're going to see Brutal Bob Walker in action. Also, beautiful Barry Lovelace and the illustrious Miss Kitty. The newcomer to SCW and Tex Harper, the Jive Town Express. But first, we're going to watch David Gibbons compete here to, well, Tex. A man wanders out to the studio set towards Delvo. He's a tall, burly man, dirty-looking, with a cowboy hat, carrying a rope and cowbell, and a leather vest over his barrel-like body. Simple black shorts, old-looking wrist tape, and a tattered elbow sleeve, along with red-and-white cowboy-style wrestling boots, just like the kind Jesse James wears. Tex Harper is here right now. We're not scheduled until later. He steps behind the podium next to Jay Delvo. So where is he, Delvo? I heard you say everybody's name, but his. Well, who? Whose name? Jesse James. But he's not here this week. As world heavyweight champion of the World Wrestling Alliance, he has obligations around the planet, facing the best wrestlers Shut anywhere. up, Delvo. I know where he is. He's as far away from here as possible. You know why? Because I'm here. And he's yellow. And there ain't nothing in this world worse than being yellow. Because that's exactly what that egg-sucking dog Jesse James is. A yellow-bellied coward. The crowd boos as Jay Delvo shakes his head in disapproval. Tex Harper is the toughest son of a gun on God's green earth. 
and I fear no man, and all men fear me. The outlaw, Jesse James. He spits a wad of tobacco juice onto the floor, while Jay Delvo's face scrunches up in disgust. So he's the people's champion, is that right, Delvo? All the people in TV land watching at home, and all these suckers in here all clap their hands and cheer when Jesse James is here, right? Yeah, the, the people love Jesse James. He's their hero. Just like I thought. So let me ask you, what is an outlaw? Um, someone who breaks the law, someone wanted by the law or the police for breaking the law, uh, hurting people. You ever ask yourself if Jesse James is such a do-gooder, then why does he call himself an outlaw? I don't know. I never really thought about it. It's just a nickname. Just a nickname, huh? Do you know what they call me, Tex Harper? No, I don't. They call me the outlaw, Tex Harper. And the reason that I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia, is the same reason that Jesse James is not. Because before he came here to be your hero, he was my tag team partner. The outlaws Jesse James and Tex Harper ran roughshod all over Texas, all over Oklahoma, Mississippi, Alabama, Nebraska, you name it. And all we did was hurt maim and make bleed every good guy, every hero who ever laced up their boots and claimed to be a professional wrestler. That was years ago, Tex. He's nothing like that anymore. Tex looks straight into Delvo's eyes. Well, I'm here to tell you, he hasn't changed one bit. And next week, if Jesse James can muster up the guts to show his face, I'm gonna tell you and everyone on TV land why. Tex spits on the floor again and walks off. Wow. Fans, we'll be right back with David Gibbons. Someone clean this up. That was disgusting. Kings of the Ring, Episode 11. Who's the Man? Legendary chef Wolfgang Puck's Spago Restaurant has quickly become the place in Hollywood. In 1984, this is where the agents, producers, studio heads, actors and actresses make the deals that get movies and careers made or destroyed. Not just anyone is allowed in Spago, only the true players. And one of these kings of Hollywood, Sylvester Stallone, is here today with a group of guests one of which has never dined in a place like this before, and in a room full of head-turners, he's turned the most ever since he walked into the room. The six-foot-six, 280-pound blonde Adonis, Thor Hansen, in a cut-off shirt exposing his enormous tan biceps, sits across from Stallone alongside Julian Kane and Nigel Davies. I'm also the one who brought Goliath to Sly to play the wrestler in Rocky III in 1981. Really? Goliath was excellent in that dude. Totally gnarly. Sylvester Stallone replies, Yeah, well, uh, he wasn't much fun to work with, you know. Uh, I wish you hadn't pulled out of the running, Thor. You would have had the part. So, Sly, 
I'm dying to hear what you brought us here for. Rocky Four. This one's gonna be like a Cold War theme, you know. Uh, my opponent for the film's gonna be a Russian, a Russian boxer. He's the main villain of the film. He's gonna be huge. And Thor, I want you to play him. Wow, Mr. Stallone. I mean, Sly. That sounds awesome. A Russian. You want Thor to play the Russian. Nigel can see the look of disappointment on Julian's face. Yeah, I think Thor would be perfect. His character is like a giant Russian super-athlete, all juiced up on steroids, a flat-top military haircut. Something bigger than life. I got this guy, he's a Swedish actor. I'm not so sure about him, you know. But you, Thor, you get the size, the look. You're taller and you're thicker. Mr. Stallone. I'm afraid we're going to have to decline. Thor Hansen is... Empire is being built around Thor Hansen, the American Viking. I can't push him on the fans as an American hero when he'll be the most famous Russian villain they've ever seen. It's just a movie, Julian. People know that. They do, but they don't. Julian, look at Mr. T in the last Rocky film. Sly made Mr. T one of the most hated villains of the silver screen. And with almost the same gimmick and cadence, he's now one of the most popular people in America. That is a good point, Nigel. But there would always be a disconnect with the fans. It's too much of a contrast to sell our Russian as an American babyface. Wrestling fans could never make that switch. It's too confusing. An empire isn't meant to be that sophisticated. Empire needs to be overly simple, that a first grader can follow what's going on. Thor hangs his head in disappointment. This is a shame, Julian. I really think me and Thor would have great chemistry on the screen. But you know why you do what you gotta do. Thor is so anxious. Wait, Sly. Hey, uh, best of luck to you, Thor. But I'm not gonna beg. Sylvester drops his napkin on the plate, and he and his associate get up to leave. Nigel sees the crushing disappointment in Julian's eyes as his face turns red, being forced to turn down yet another offer for Thor to be wrestling's first crossover celebrity. And he suddenly gets an idea. What about Rambo? Excuse me? In the first draft of Rambo, the one by the chap who wrote Terminator, uh, what's his name? Cameron, James Cameron. Yes, yes. In the original script, Rambo had a partner to help him in Vietnam. John Travolta, wasn't it? I know you didn't like him for that role. But Thor can play him. Thor would be perfect. Jeez, Nigel, how'd you even know about that? Victor Kaufman showed it to me. Poolside. Mr. Stallone, I may be an old man, but I have several friends from old Hollywood. Oh, Nigel, I didn't mean anything by it. But uh, we sort of moved on from that idea of a sidekick. Well, of course you did. You didn't have Thor Hansen, did you? Feeling it's best to leave while Stallone's interest is piqued, yet give him time to modify the script in his head, Nigel stands and holds out his hand to shake. Stallone takes it and the others follow suit. Do think it over, Sly. There are some big things coming for Thor Hansen at the end of the year that will significantly help Rambo at the box office. Really?
Well, Julian, I hope you have some big things coming for Thor Hansen at the end of the year that will significantly help Rambo at the box office. <laughs> well done, Nigel. I will. I will. The smell of hot dogs and stale beer permeate the air of the old sportatorium on this hot Saturday night in Dallas, Texas for All South Wrestling. The old arena is packed to the gills and rocking while the All-South Southern Heavyweight Champion, Gabriel Angel, works over pretty boy Willie Dean on the arena floor. Crusher Krawcheck sits at the ringside announce table with play-by-play man Mark Baxter, acting as a special color commentator for this episode and criticizing every babyface wrestler throughout the entire show. The referee glances back at the dressing room and notices that the booker, Peyton Thomas, has appeared. He hops down to the floor and loudly chastises the two wrestlers to get back in the ring as he moves in closer to Willie's ear. Go home, Willie! Willie maneuvers their brawl closer to the announce table when he scrunches his hand over Gabriel's forehead and nose and yanks it away quickly. Gabriel acts as if his eyes were just scratched and falls to his knee and leans up against the table where Crusher sits. Acting as if he is too close for comfort, Crusher takes his headphones off and stands up leering over Gabriel. Gabriel acts like he's recovered enough to see Crusher bowing up to him and stands as well right in Crusher's face. With neither man backing down, the opportunistic Willie Dean sneaks in from behind with a forearm to Angel's back. Angel falls forward into Crusher who crashes back into his chair. Willie picks Gabriel up by the hair and rolls him back in since he can't win the Southern title by countout. Willie climbs up to the apron and stands to step inside. But Gabriel finds a burst of energy, pulls himself up by the ropes, and rams his shoulder into Willie's gut. Willie yells out an exaggerated grunt as he's bent over from the impact to his midsection, with the only thing keeping him from falling is his two-handed grip on the ropes. He pulls himself to a standing position, and Gabriel is there to meet him, and nails him with a right hand. It feels like nothing, a strike to his bony forehead, but Willie snaps his head back and releases his right hand from the top rope, swinging and flailing around like a cartoon, which drives the fans crazy, hoping he falls to the floor. Meanwhile, Crusher Krawcheck acts like he's still hurt from the crash and tries to compose himself. Gabriel grabs Willie by the top of his head as the referee loudly warns Gabriel to let go of the hair and begins counting to five. One, two, three, four. Gabriel, inside the ring, tucks Willie's head under his right armpit and takes Willie's right arm and wraps it over his own neck to suplex him back into the ring. He grabs the tights by Willie's hip with his left arm and yanks. Willie perfectly times a short hop, which allows Gabriel to lift Willie straight up into the air. So Willie is now suspended in the air, completely upside down. Just then, Crusher Krawcheck, who's still red-faced from when Gabriel crashed into him, sprints from the announce table to the ring apron and pulls both of Gabriel's feet. Gabriel immediately falls on his back, while Willie Dean, secretly grabbing the top rope to guide him, falls right on top of him in a pinning position. The referee, pretending he didn't see or know that Crusher would do this, begins counting the pin. Crusher holds on to Gabriel's foot while crouching down out of the referee's eyesight and pulls down so Gabriel cannot move his right leg at all. An energetic Gabriel pretends to be attempting to kick out of the pin, but can't because of Crusher, and the referee counts. One, two, three. 
pressure, gets up, and immediately walks off the arena floor. Gabriel turns to the ref, trying to explain what happened, but the ref isn't hearing it as he hands Willie Dean the belt and raises his arm in victory. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your winner, the new ASW Southern Heavyweight Champion, Pretty Boy, Willie Dean! The champ is here, boys! Willie Dean enters the locker room, hoisting the belt above his head, while the locker room either ignores him or shake their heads and look away. Peyton Thomas is waiting for him. Hey, champ, you got to put your feet in the ropes on the pin. Did I? Must have got caught up in the moment. Mm-hmm. And can you at least attempt a poker face out there? Uh, me no comprende, amigo. You've been wrestling at the Sportatorium long enough where every fucking fan in the building can tell if you're going over by the look on your fucking face walking to the ring. And your ring work. Jesus Christ, I've never seen you work so hard. Now when your hand's going to be raised at the end, you look like Donnie Gold out there selling and bumping your ass off. Gabriel, sitting on the table, laughs and shakes his head. Come on, Peyton, give him a break. Willie blows him off. Fuck you talking about. All I know is you finally came up with a strong finish. Gabriel interjects. That wasn't Peyton's, that was Chris. Willie looks over and Bert's nephew, Chris Stanley, is standing there next to Peyton. I'll be a monkey's uncle. He was the kid. Nice work, young man. Willie turns and gives a slow and soft handshake to Chris, looking him in his eyes. Chris is still too shy to speak up amidst this scene. You just like it because you went over. It was a good finish and got us right where we want to be. Me and Carl for the TV title. Gabriel hops off the table. Nice work, cousin. He rubs Chris's head, messing up his hair on the way out. Crusher gives the slightest of nods to Chris as he approaches Peyton. Chris tries to contain himself at the seeming approval of Crusher as he notices a commotion on the other side of the locker room. As they say, while the cat's away, the mouse will play. But don't get used to it, kid. I let you shadow me tonight, but Bert don't want you a part of any kind of booking. Crusher continues talking to Peyton Thomas as Chris steps away to see what the commotion is about. How long till I'm on? About an hour and a half, I reckon. You and Gabe will go on last, and then you're done, my friend. That's you and Tama finishing up with us tonight. And uh, thanks again for putting over Gabriel. I'm getting too old for these long drives every week. I need to stick with Missouri and Kansas only. That's right. Your first big show since taking over Heartland's coming up, right? Yeah. I brought in Goliath to work with me. I need a strong house for the first show without Gilmore. Well, Grusher Krochek versus Goliath would certainly do it. Chris Stanley comes back with a worried look on his face in a newspaper. Bert's going to hit the roof when he sees this. He shows Crusher and Peyton a full page in the Dallas Morning News, advertising the Dallas, Texas debut of the Empire Wrestling Federation in one month. The main event, Killian Kavanaugh, Big John Mulligan, and Diamond Donnie Gold versus... Thor Hansen, Leroy Brown, and Michael Angel. It's past midnight, and the wrestlers of Empire have taken over the hotel bar of the Hyatt following a big show at the Boston Garden. 
Scattered throughout the lounge amidst the standard hotel guests and visitors are these huge men stuffed into civilian clothes. These odd-looking oversized figures with colored or long hair with drinks in their hand, grouped together or cozied up with some of the local ladies of Boston. Most of the locker room is here. Michael Angel, Corporal Punishment, Thor Hansen, Leroy Brown, Big John Mulligan, and so many more. In the center of it all, as usual, is Diamond Donnie Gold. Oh yeah! Donnie Gold shouts as every patron bellied up to the bar, down their kamikaze shots, courtesy of the Golden Boy. Most of the wrestlers are gathered around Donnie, who leads the party, as always, when the Tarzan Kid enters and walks straight to him. When I saw Diamond Donnie Gold was coming here, I didn't know who the fuck Donnie was, or gave a shit. Some of the other boys had good things to say, but what the fuck do they know? I gotta say, Donnie, that match we had tonight was the best match I ever had in my career. Everything people said about you is true, Donnie. You are the fucking man. Corporal Punishment adds, Best match of my career, August of last year, Greensboro. Me and Donnie Gold in my first Broadway. That match made me in the Carolinas. Leroy Brown asks, Donnie, you remember when we drew 25,000 with the Superdome in 79? Like it was yesterday, brother. The other wrestlers either marvel at Donnie or nod their head as they recall their own memories of working with Donnie Gold. Michael Angel pats Tarzan on the back and points at Donnie with the same hand he holds his bottle of Budweiser. This man taught me how to work, brother. Donnie flashes a smile back at Michael. Back in 82, I'm sitting on my ass and he has this rear chin lock on me and he talks in my ear and says, we're gonna do this, this, and this. All right, Mike, start to come up. So I get up, I power right up to my feet. Well, Donnie keeps my chin locked and squeezes it tighter, takes my head and shoves my chin into my chest, forcing me right back down to my ass. I'm all confused. And he says, when I come up, come up in stages. Yeah, that's right, brother. I had to explain in the locker room because you weren't getting it. Donnie interjects as a glossy-eyed Tarzan soaks up every word. Right, Donnie, you told me we're working right. I've got this hold on you, but when you stood right up, you made my hold work nothing. Come up to a knee, then two, then one leg, then slowly push off to stand up. Make my hold a hold. Donnie taught me so much. Like I said, he really taught me how to work. What can I say, man? I'm a believer. I'm a fucking believer. Here's the Diamond Donnie Gold. I'll work with you any night, brother. Thor, Leroy, Michael, and all the others all clink their glasses to Donnie. Julian Kane sits with Louis the Greek in a booth watching them all at the bar. Julian is on his fifth or sixth scotch, while Louis nurses his beer. Julian, uh, maybe you should slow down. Don't you have a plane to catch tomorrow morning? Look at Donnie Gold, buying everyone drinks, with everyone gathered around him. He's not even the champ anymore. Thor Hansen is the champ. It's just Donnie being Donnie. And Thor is having just as much fun as the rest of the boys. Thor shouldn't just be one of the boys. He should be in the middle. Guy should be thanking him. You see that house tonight? Biggest house at the gardens in three years. 
Thor drew that. And he's just sitting there looking at Donnie like a fucking mark. Julian, it's just their personalities. People can't change who they are. Who cares how Thor acts at the bar? Thor shines where it counts. On TV. In the ring. Donnie shines all the time. He can't turn it off. If Thor is going to be the champ, he needs to start acting like the champ. Something needs to change. Julian throws down the rest of his drink and glares at the bar as a couple of gorgeous twin girls in matching cut-off Larry Bird t-shirts walk up to Donnie and each grab an arm and lead him out of the bar while the rest of the wrestlers cheer him on. <laughs> oh yeah! Charlie Gotch and son Nellie Gotch stand on the arena floor of the Mecca Arena in Milwaukee. Nellie is wearing a t-shirt over his wrestling tights and boots as his match isn't until later. In the ring, two dwarf wrestlers, Saigon Jr. and the Cincinnati Kid, are facing off, entertaining the fans with their antics, while the father and son look around the arena at the various sections of empty seats in the darkness. Dad! Uh, I think the Buddy versus the Foreign Heels has run its course. I, I know we just started with the Buddy versus Mr. Shimasaki matches, but I haven't seen the Mecca this empty in years. The fans are even getting tired of the midgets. Nah, everyone loves the midgets. In small doses, not on every damn show. Empire was here two weeks ago with Thor on top, and they had over 10,000. Tonight we're down to what? 7,000? 8,000 maybe? They already passed us in Chicago, our biggest town. And now they're beating us in our backyard. Maybe we are a little stale. Stale? That's Jabberwocky. We have Buddy Melrose's baby face. He hasn't worked face in over a decade. You're saying building around a 49-year-old baby face is fresh? Don't get me wrong. Buddy knows all the gimmicks to pop the crowd and work baby face. But it's not drawing. He just needs the right opponent. Thor could have been that guy. Well, he's gone. So now what? Start feeding Buddy the other heels? I'm not sure the fans want to see that. We'll make it work. We have to. We need to figure something out, Dad. Something big. Even a long shot. Because we need a real home run. Where Empire is going to swallow up more and more of our fans month by month. Normally, Charlie Gotch would fire back with a passionate retort or dismissal. But this time, Charlie just chews on those words and stares out into the black. It's Friday night as Nigel Davies welcomes Julian Kane and his teenage son out of the airport. Welcome, Julian and Cameron. I trust your flight was good? Yes, thank you, Nigel, it was. Despite Cameron's mother forcing me to bring him. Um, uh, yes. I received a call from Stallone's manager. We're a go. Thor Hansen is in Rambo. Fantastic. Stallone and Schwarzenegger are quite competitive. As soon as Sly heard Thor was doing commando, he jumped on it. I just made the call to Schwarzenegger's producer that Thor is out. But Julian, this does mean we'll lose Thor for multiple dates this summer. We'll figure that out in due time. 
But first, we need to secure some business. Tomorrow's a big day. The three of them step through the doors and walk towards the limo, revealing the sign above them that reads, William B. Hartsfield, Atlanta International Airport. You know why, Cameron? Because Daddy is going to buy his first wrestling promotion. To hear about the backstory behind Rambo and the Kings of Hollywood backstory of the real-life heat between Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger that inspired this storyline, as well as analysis of Donnie Gold in this world, the humanization of Julian Kane, and midget wrestling. Listen to Breaking Kayfabe, the podcast series available exclusively on Patreon.com. Visit Patreon.com slash KingsOTR to get early access to the new episodes, exclusive access to Breaking Kayfabe, and other exclusive Kings of the Ring bonus content, and so much more. But most importantly, you'll be showing your support for the most unique wrestling series in the podcast world with your donation. So please visit patreon.com slash kingsotr for more information. Kings of the Ring is a Mana Sports Media production and was written and created by Steve Tatai with special guest voice actors Cyrus Fees and L.A. Smooth. Stay tuned for episode 12. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at KingsOTR. And of course, the website, kingsotr.com. <laughs>